You are listening to the Body Charge Podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. We are, I'd like to welcome today the lovely Andrea Nicholson for our Body Charge Podcast. It's not so much what you eat, but how you absorb that counts. So this is about gut health and the enormous implication to our health if we don't get it right and we don't look after our gut. Andrea helps people address health challenges like fatigue, digestive problems, hormone imbalances, thyroid problems, and mood swings. She is a board-certified holistic nutritionist, nutrition therapist, master, and restorative wellness practitioner. Well, I hope I got all that out all right, Andrea. (laughs) Welcome aboard, and so lovely to talk to you because this is a really big topic. It's it's huge. Um, researchers have come to realize that the extraordinary influence our gut microbiome has on our brain, digestion, metabolism, sleep quality, and overall health is enormous. Andrea, what can symptoms of bloating, constipation, migraines, stiff muscles, or fatigue indicate about the state of our gut health? You know, it can indicate a lot of things. It could be any number of imbalances that are present in the gut. So that could mean that you have not enough of the good bacteria that we really need to be able to properly digest and to synthesize some of our nutrients and to help eliminate the waste products. It could mean that you have an opportunistic microbe growing in your gut. So maybe you have yeast overgrowth or you have a parasite present or you have some bad bacteria overgrowing. So it could yeast, also- Yeast is a, a fungus- it is, yes. Sometimes uh, fungi, I, I I believe, can be good or bad, depending. Absolutely. Yeah, and same with bacteria. So we have yeah, good yeah. guys and bad guys. And sometimes yes. bad guys do some good things. So how yes. do you navigate this whole thing? You know, it's difficult. Um, I love doing some testing so that we know for sure what's going on in your gut because we can't just rely on symptoms. Bloating, for instance, can come from too many good guys, not enough good guys, too many of the bad guys, not enough of that balance between the good and the bad can also just be intestinal health or digestive dysfunction. So I really like doing some testing so that we know exactly what's going on with you and tie those results back to your symptoms. Once we know exactly what the issue is, then we can implement specific strategies to deal with your particular problem. So do you find there's a lot of variation in the community with the type of gut issues that they have? Um, From my personal experience with people that I know and some family members, it can be one extreme to the other. You can have extreme constipation or extreme uh, uh, diarrhea and and it can switch from one to the other. So, So as a practitioner, how do you work out where a particular individual is at? What kind of testing? would happen typically? Yeah, it starts off with a comprehensive, you know, information gathering. So we really talk about what you're dealing with so that we know, is it always constipation? Is it always diarrhea? Is it swinging back and forth between the two? You know, what other, what other symptoms you may have? So that's the first step is really gathering that subjective information that you're dealing with as the client. The testing portion, I like to do a functional stool test. This is generally just one sample that you collect at home and send it off to the lab. And then the lab sends us a report of the good bacteria that they detect and how much. 
the bad bacteria that they detect and how much any opportunistic or pathogens that might be present, any parasites, those kinds of things. And then it also gives us some intestinal health markers. So this tells us how well you're digesting fats, how well you're digesting proteins. Do you have inflammation present? Is your gut immune system out of whack? It gives us all of these parameters that aren't directly related to the microbes, but that are just related to the integrity of your intestinal system and your digestive capacity. And so using all of this information together, paired with your symptoms and the things that you're dealing with, we can really go after exactly what you want to go after in a much more streamlined fashion. So the digestive system is a is a very long tube. <laughs> and I I think lots of things can potentially go wrong with it from um because I myself had uh, back in 2007, was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. So my digestive system was very sluggish and my energy levels were down. So overall systemic energy levels were down um, as per normal hypothyroid, underperforming thyroid. And um, I didn't realize why I was taking a handful of vitamins and different minerals and you know whatever I could grab off the health food store shelves and I, I felt like I was rattling when I walked I took that much and I ate a healthy organic food and with you know roughage and I really did a lot of good things that I'd read that was good for gut health and overall health and I couldn't figure out why um, I was feeling so um, lacking in energy and eventually I got severe heart arrhythmias. They rushed me to the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack because of the arrhythmias. And the cardiologist put me through all the testing and said, oh, your, your heart muscle's fine. It's like working like the way it should. And you've got no blockages in your arteries. And I'm thinking, oh, that's good. All that di proper diet and good healthy food and organic stuff must be doing some good work. But he said, look, for you, there's no uh, medication solution. There's no surgery solution. He says, you've just got a twitch that happens to be happening in the left ventricle of your heart muscle. And it's like a twitch in the eye or a cramp in the leg. And what he didn't tell me was that was magnesium deficiency. I had to go online. I had to find books and, you know, read up and follow the studies and finally realize, oh, that's a magnesium deficiency. That's actually what led me on my path to electromagnesium, which is the business that I, I developed and founded. Um, because I realized, he said to me at the time, he said, you'd be amazed how many people have this problem. He said, it's quite common. And he said, just put up with it like everyone else. <laughs> so but me no. being not this little black duck type of a person, <laughs> I'm not putting up with it. So, so, you know, everyone has a personal journey, I guess, and some aspects of it, if we look, lead us eventually to the truth, lead us to solutions, lead us to what we need to do. And so um, since I added magnesium to my regime every day, um, I don't have all those symptoms anymore. Although if I burn the candle at both ends and I have a lot of stress and then I forget the magnesium, I start to feel fragile again. So it's really a management system, isn't it? You could, there's really no, I've done this one thing, I've taken this one pill I'm, I'm, and I can go back to my previous lifestyle because 
it's all about environment, isn't it? It's about the environment of the microbes, the environment of your cells. Um, do they have the right pH? Um, and are you digesting properly? Because what I found in my studies looking up what hypothyroidism is all about is it does affect digestion. And I wasn't producing enough stomach acid. And that's what was causing the reflux. And I thought, oh my goodness, all roads lead to Rome. This is all making sense. But I didn't have like some other people. I have some clients who um, are my magnesium customers who say, oh, I've got this SIBO. I can't get rid of the SIBO. So that's a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, so I, I didn't get that far. I was lucky to nip it in the bud and address the issues earlier than that. But some people are moved further down the track and they get this uh, bacterial colonization of the small intestine where they shouldn't be. Um, and that then causes a lot of bloating and GERD. So can you expand on how SIBO affects people and what kind of symptoms they might be experiencing? Yeah, SIBO is one of those really complex situations. And reason being, it can be a lot of different kinds of bacteria that take up in the small intestine where they shouldn't be, like you said. So a lot of the symptoms can be based on which bacteria you actually have growing because there's different kinds of gases that they can produce. And based on which gases they're producing, they produce different out outcomes or effects. And so we first need to know a little bit more about what the bacteria is, what, what species are actually overgrowing so that we can determine which gases they're producing, what impacts they're having. And this is a common situation, especially if we have low stomach acid, like you said, lots of people, the vast majority of people have low stomach acid. And part of that comes from, we're not eating very quality diets. Most of us, we're not sitting down and eating in, you know, healthy habits, we're on the go and we're grabbing food out of packages and out of drive-throughs. We're not even paying attention to what we're eating. We're overeating. We're not moving enough. Like we have all of these habits around our eating that are contributing to us not being able to digest very well. And the big key to all of this, whether you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or any opportunistic overgrowth or really any imbalance in your body, the true underlying cause is a stress. So we really have to figure out what that stress is. Is it that you have a bad bacteria that's causing disruptions in your system? Do you have a toxin buildup? Are you lacking a nutrient? Are you lacking a nutrient because you don't have adequate stomach acids? You can't absorb the nutrients. That's it. We, that's we really, mm. we have to get back to that true root cause, which ultimately is a stressor that's causing some kind of chemical imbalance in the body that sets us up for these other things to happen. So a lot of times what we really need to deal with is figure out what that stressor is, which is emotional stress, physical stress, or chemical stress. We need to figure out what that is and deal with that first. And then it makes the rest of it much easier. Well, guess what? Um, you lose a lot of magnesium under stress. And that's yes. what led me into my health crisis. So yes. I realized that stress is the biggest killer. And if we can develop strategies that alleviate or help us bounce back from stress, because you can't really get rid of it. it, it's part of life. And so you can make stress a good thing. Stress 
can be you go to the gym and you you know put up with a bit of pain with some muscle work and then you make your muscles stronger so that's a good kind of stress but you have to recover from that so I, I also have a lot of athletic clients that have overtrained and then you can go too much the other way and deplete your magnesium supplies so it's all about trying to get back to balance isn't it and and so the more I looked into it the more I found pH was a big issue with people they're getting very acidic and and the wastes are piling up when you're not eliminating from the digestive system when you're not cleaning out properly the um the intestine drops in ph so and the acids then encourage the bad bacteria uh, and the microbes uh into that environment because you know they're opportunistic aren't they and that they can produce more acids that dissolve mu mucus you know, uh, that lines the intestinal gut lining. And then you have the beginnings of um, uh, leaky gut. And so then you've got potential toxins being able to escape to the inside of the body. And there's your uh, uh, gut-brain connection. Is that right? Would, is that your experience? Yeah, there's a lot of connections between the gut and the brain and leaky gut absolutely contributes to a negative feedback loop with the brain. It breaks down those communications and contributes to miscommunications between the brain and the rest of the body for sure. It can also just occur in the gut. Even if those things aren't leaving the gut, a lot of our neurotransmitters are made in the gut. A lot of our cell signaling, a lot of our immune system reside in the gut. And if the gut itself isn't operating properly, it can't send those signals to the brain to signal all the other organs properly. So there's a lot of different things that can go wrong in the gut that can contribute to those brain balance or brain body balance imbalances. Yeah, so it can make people feel perhaps extra cranky, um, you know, uh, irritable, uh, but interfere with sleep patterns and really um, make them like that's not normally how they behave, what's wrong with them, you know, where other people are observing and that's not normal something's up you you kind of know it it reflects in the behaviors of people doesn't it it really can and especially when people are like i don't know why i'm reacting like this i don't know that's not who i am or you know they seem out of character out of character a lot of times it really is out of character because you have a chemical imbalance causing that problem and so yes. we need to figure out what the cause of that is so we have like a, a i believe a lot more microbes in our gut than we have cells in the body we so do. who's really running the show here right yeah for sure the bacteria are definitely in charge when you have a craving it's probably your microbes they dictate a lot of things yeah, they dictate our energy they dictate our cravings they dictate how well we digest how well our brain operates how well our immune system operates the bacteria really are in charge yeah so if you have a yeast overgrowth you're probably more uh, addicted to sugars yeah sweet things yep there are all the signs and symptoms. So when you assess someone, do you go through their particular symptoms, behaviors, you know, lifestyle, you have a, a checklist of everything? Yeah, we really do go through all of it. The physical symptoms that you're dealing with, things that you no longer want to be dealing with. So that could be the obvious things like constipation or diarrhea, abdominal pains, those kinds of things. But it can also, we also talk about skin, hair, energy, sleep, stress. Do you have past traumas that maybe you haven't dealt with? We, we talk about the whole emotional, physical, mental picture for sure. It's all related to stress, isn't it? 
So if, is, you're, yeah. if you've had a trauma in the past or some form of PTSD where you haven't been able to resolve it or let that issue go, that hangs around in the back like a, like a, a viral computer program. It kind of so, sabotages, doesn't it? All the things that we try to do, we find sometimes when things aren't resolved, um, we're our own worst enemy because the stress is still there in the back of the mind it's still churning away and we don't even realize it and what I what I found the other day too is we have a lot of background stresses you know even the 5g coming on people a lot of people are electrically sensitive and I started to wonder if people those people that are more electrically sensitive you know the canaries in the mine shaft um how does that reflect in their gut microbiome? Maybe it's the microbiome that's reacting to the electromagnetic fields and sending signals and going, oi, oi, this is like alert, alert, alarm, sound the alarm. Yeah, it absolutely could be. I think, you know, this is a new enough part of our culture that we don't have great research on it yet. But I think that's an absolutely plausible explanation for why some people are exceedingly sensitive to these things. And other people seem to be totally not bothered. It absolutely could be microbes. It could be that those people have been exposed to a heavy metal or they've got some other kind of toxin buildup. You know, there's lots of different things that are different between us do you check that we can't necessarily metals? see. Yeah. Do you check for the heavy metals in the stool when you do the testing? There isn't, it's not included in the stool test that I run, but there are tests that you can do. Most of them are urine tests that can look for heavy metals and those kinds of toxins. Yeah, I heard but in, lead, lead is a bad one and that can yeah. affect the brain very directly. For sure. Yeah. Any of the heavy metals can affect the brain. Yeah. Mercury, all, a lot of them can for sure. I know that they do block magnesium as well, the working mm -hmm. of magnesium. So if someone has a heavy metal issue from industrial exposures or where they lived or, you know, maybe even what happened in places like Ohio, you know, with, a, yeah. with any kind of chemical spills, you, you don't know what you're breathing in. And so the body is a miracle, I found. To a certain extent, it can eliminate uh, things that you absorb that shouldn't be there to a certain extent. And that depends a lot on your immune system and, and overall health. You can push it out. But the problem is in if you get overloaded and if your system is already weakened by something else, then you don't have the strength and the resilience to fight back. That's when when the bigger problems start. So so that's good. So what it boils down to is just um, cleaning up. So cleaning maintenance in the body and putting good nutrients in. Can you add anything to that? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, obviously taking in good nutrients is is a huge part and we all have control over that to to a great extent. We have a lot of control over the foods that we consume. And then the big thing is, you know, how often are you eliminating? Are you sweating every day? Are you drinking enough water so you're urinating often? Are you going to the bathroom every day? You know, these are the things that really do matter because those are the sources where you're going to get rid of these toxins, you're going to get rid of the bad bacteria. You're going to eliminate those things from your body. And if those things aren't happening, then you stand more of a chance of those things accumulating in the body then. It can affect kidney and liver, which are detox organs. And then if you're not eliminating the waste, it just becomes a compost heap inside, right? Yeah. Breeding all the bad stuff. Yep. So, um, so that's good. So what else could you contribute to this conversation before we wrap up? Um, what, what would be like, um, 
your checklist of the most important things to pay attention to, 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 to look after your gut health? You know, there's several kind of major pillars that I like to focus on. Number one, I think is one that most of us kind of blow off, which is sleep. We really need to get back to proper sleep. We need adequate amount of sleep and we need good quality sleep. This is so important for every organ, every cell, every system in your body to work properly. We need that downtime. We need that rejuvenating rest. And, you know, that's when your brain does all of its detoxing. That's when a lot of your organs do detoxing. That's when a lot of your cellular repair is happening. You know, we all think we get those bigger muscles in the gym, but really it's when you're recovering is when they actually grow bigger. If you're not adequately recovering, and that is a huge part of sleep, then none of that's going to happen. So I think that's the first one. The second one we've talked a lot about, which is stress, really identifying all of those sources of stress. It's not just the emotional stressors that we think about. It's not just the relationship strife and financial worries and those kinds of things, but it's also if you're being too sedentary, if you're overtraining, like you mentioned, if you're sitting in one spot for too long, these are all stressors on the body. We're meant to move. If you have injuries, that's another stressor. Or if you have any kind of physical trauma, if you've been in a car accident, those kinds of things all impact physical stressors. And then those chemical stressors, we're never going to be able to escape all of these things, but we can choose cleaner versions of personal care products. We can not microwave plastics. We can not drink out of re- you know disposable water bottles, those kinds of things. We have choices over some of our toxin exposures. And the more we can reduce those, the more we can deal with underlying infections instead of just kind of living with them, you know, that's, that's another stressor. The more we can control our blood sugars. This is another one that a lot of people aren't aware of is just how high their blood sugars really are. And that is toxic. It's another stressor in the body. So really, I think managing all of those things. And then of course, taking in good nutrients, um, is the last pillar that I think we all have to do. And these are all equally important. Um, but I think, you know, we really need to prioritize all of those things if we really want to have adequate brain and body. Yeah, I I do agree with everything you've said. It makes total sense. Um, But I do have some reservations because it's really easy to say, well, avoid packaged and processed foods and no chemicals and everything organic. And so that's, it's, it's, it's not easy, but you know, it's more clear cut. However, there are a lot of people who um, move to a lot of vegetables and fruit and find that it makes the SIBO worse because there's certain bacteria that, and then it produces a lot of gases. And so they then have to move to more of a keto diet to um, minimize the amount of carbs. And yet the balancing is that without some carbs, you're not getting the fiber and the water going through the gut. So, so it's really tricky sometimes, isn't it? It really is. And I think this is another example of where we really need to treat each individual as an individual. We all have our own tolerance level for these things. I worked with one client who had gone full carnivore. He wasn't eating any plants at all because he had read online that that could be really helpful for IBS, which he had had for many, many years and carnivore didn't help him. But neither did eating everything, you know, eating all the plants and the meats and all the things he, he had the same symptoms on both sides of the coin. And what it came down to for him was specific plants. 
he could have a small amount of low FODMAP vegetables. And when he did, all of his IBS went away. So he still ate the meat, still had the plants, but he had to have specific kinds of plants for him. I know for my own case, (laughs) yeah, for my own case, if I eat too many vegetables, I end up constipated. Wow. And who'd have thought, because we're taught, you need all that roughage to sweep through like a broom. Right. And I know other people who, if they don't eat enough, they end up with diarrhea. And so I really do think this is one of those sweet spots, both in quantity of plants and animals and in the specific types. Some people don't do well with, say, red meat, but they do great with chicken. Some people don't do great with poultry, but they do great with red meat. <laughs> so, yeah, it, Is it something to do, do you think, with um, uh, there's a blood group diet and then there's also other research into genetics and um, certain um, genes which don't produce certain enzymes, means you can't digest certain proteins and break down the amino acids. All that kind of um, complexity happens from individual to individual. So you may see patterns happening in whole families. Yeah, I think there's some truth to all of the things, all of the plans out there. I also think there's some things that maybe don't live up to what those particular diets or those particular tests want to show. I know for me, I tested my genetics because I was really curious. I was adopted as an infant, so I don't know a whole lot about my family. And so I wanted to know from a genetic standpoint. And I can tell you that a lot of the things that my genetic report told me I should focus on and should avoid, I actually do better when I do the opposite of them. So that's just one example of, you know, where those aren't necessarily gospel all the time. And I think more and more as we learn these sciences, you know, genetics is still relatively new, especially genetics for nutrition. I think we're going to find that there's a lot of other factors that contribute to whether or not those genes are active how well they're activated, all of those things. And so I don't, I just don't think it's going to be as black and white as some of those either diet plans or tests want us to believe that, you know, with the, like the blood type diet, that there's only, you know, this many buckets and everyone fits into these buckets. I just don't think it's going to be that black and white. I think those can give you a guide to maybe start there and see how you feel. And if it works for you, great. You've figured out what works for you. But if it doesn't work for you, I wouldn't necessarily say that, well, then it doesn't work for anybody. I think they can be helpful starting points, but just don't believe that those are the rules around how you have to eat. I think you can be willing to test things and try things out and see really where do you feel your best, both mentally and physically. If you hate the foods you're eating just because that's what they told you to eat, how long are you going to stick with that? So I think we have to take it all into account. It It is. Um, having a theory but testing it out because it's um as you said it's a question of nature and nurture interacting with one another and so just because you have a certain set of genes doesn't mean that parts of those genes are switched on in a particular direction I look at it like a washing machine dial (laughs) with different settings and depending on what kind of rinse or wash you want you set the genes have a particular setting so yes, there's a lot comes down to environment. Um, and I guess people just have to experiment a little bit safely uh, with the help of a good coach. Um, so if people want to learn more or investigate more, how can they contact you? 
Yeah, the best place is my website, which is healthylifewithandrea.com. And from there, you can learn all about me or reach out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for this very enlightening uh, uh, discussion. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun talking about all these things and I look forward to any questions that anybody has. Excellent. See you then. Bye-bye. I hope you liked this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge and recover.